0: just two verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. I will give you a little context of those as we move through the message, and then we'll look at the third commandment. I'm not seeing anything on the screen. You're not seeing anything on the screen, so there's a Bible in front of you in your pew. Isaiah 57 and Matthew 12, if you would. There's also a Bible on your phone, I assume, if that's faster for you. You'll want these open anyways, because you want to know what in the world I'm talking about that I'm not reading, because it's also in there, of course. Isaiah 57, and I'll read verse 15, says this, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite." Keep your finger there, keep that place open. And Matthew 12 is the other passage. You ready for this one? This is Jesus talking. Matthew 12, 34, "'You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, I encourage you to feel free to leave those open. I'll be saying not everything about them. Oh, good, there are at least um, pictures for me. Next slide right away, please. We're doing a uh, 10 commandments series. And as I told you at the beginning of this series, we're doing one, two, three, and 10. and. Um, That's mainly because there's only four weeks in August and I had to make a decision about which four we were going to do. But as you'll see today, number three, which we're doing today kind of bleeds over into four, five, and six. And 10 is really a summary, a collective that will definitely, it captures most of the second half of the commandments. And so I'll kind of pull those things together um, next week, outside, out back, as we uh, talk about that commandment. So we're sort of covering all of them, but these four, in particular next slide please so notice the consistent word in the first three these are my summaries of these commandments as short as i could make them notice the consistent word in there worship only god worship god directly those two consistent words good one eric speak god's name worshipfully it's about god and it's about worship all right and so Um, First thing this needs to to have clarified for us is that this means that we need to understand what worship really is. It's not an hour on Sunday morning in a space like this with people leading us from the front. Worship is life, all right? So God's first three commandments, four really, are all about worshiping him, right? And they're not all about one day. In fact, this is a good, quick segue to do um, commandment number four, keep the Sabbath holy. Right? Keeping the Sabbath holy as a follower of Jesus Christ means keeping all of your time restful in Christ, all right? There's a whole sermon online about that from me about a year and a half ago, so that's the long version of it online. So this is God calling us to pay attention to him, and today we're gonna talk about the vocalization, the use of, of language, and particularly the use of his name as, um, as the third commandment. Next slide, please. So here's the actual command. I realized last week after I was done that the second commandment, which we were looking at last week, has a whole lot of stuff in it in in Exodus 20 when you get the actual commandment that we didn't go over. Um, And so I thought today I better at least give you the actual commandment as it's written in the Bible. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Let's skip to the next slide. What does number three cover? All right, because the misuse of God's name um, gets expanded in the tradition of the Bible and the tradition of of, um, our teachings and the catechism and so on. So I think it covers three things. First, misuse, and I get this from the catechism, by the way, It, it includes misuse, or use in vain is the older language for that, or blasphemy is the more general, so basically, taking God's name out of context and and using it frivolously or negatively in any kind of a way, right? That's that's what number three is speaking against, right? And the second thing that gets added in there is um, swearing falsely or making oaths that are false. And this is a little less of a big deal for us in our context because most of you Send money both an e-transfer or with a signature, right? Most people don't give money and say, "I swear in the name of God that this truly will be money that you are getting," or you don't have to promise in that way because, right? We can verify things in all kinds of other ways. So um, basically, this only comes up in court, and if all goes well, you won't be in court too often having to swear in a Bible, right? The oath thing is there, but this is probably not a daily challenge for us to say, "Boy, am I am I swearing my oaths properly?" A um, little different context here. And then cursing and cussing, and I put those two beside each other because I think we sometimes get these things mixed up and possibly because they're spelled so similarly. Um, cursing is putting a curse on somebody, it's using God's name to, to, um, to speak negatively about a person. And cussing is just foul language. Now, in my opinion, the, um, though foul language is frowned upon for obvious reasons, it's foul. Um, this is not what this commandment's actually about, right? Now, to be really clear. Hear me. I'm not saying say whatever you want, whenever you want, right? I'm saying this commandment's about our conversation using God's actual name, right? It's not about um, people who seem to have such a limited vocabulary that they can't get all the cool words in. They got to just use a few negative ones. Clear? Don't do that. It's not what this is about. All right. So. Um, Next slide. That's, that's the broad overview of this. Now, this is striking. I, I read somebody uh, who's a legal expert, on the Ten, and they were talking about the Ten Commandments, and they said, you know, they're not actually laws because they don't actually have any consequences with them for the most part, right? You shall not kill. Clear, but... What if I do, right? So a whole legal system will say, not only should you not kill, but this is the penalties and so on. There's a little bit more of that as, as the book goes on in Leviticus and so on. But in the actual Ten Commandments, it's usually just a list of things which we generally speaking, in most cultures do agree, um, these are things we shouldn't do. Here it says that the punishment is, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name, which at least feels pretty strong, and it's meant to. Legally, it's not particularly clear exactly what's going on. Does that mean that once you've misused God's name, you can never be guiltless again? Or that there's no way you're ever allowed to do this without being guilty of it, but there is some sort of forgiveness along the way. We're going to slip in a few minutes into the New Testament and Jesus talking about something that will connect with this. But at least sit in this reality god takes how we speak about him incredibly seriously this is a big deal to him right and i want to suggest to you that the big deal is more about being more than about being um, word police so um as a pastor maybe you've experienced this as a christian that if you don't give away right away your religious affiliation and i don't give away my job right away because it usually messes things up, maybe you understand that, right? But when people find out what I do, what's the very first thing you think they say to me? Oh, I'm so sorry for my language. And I think, really? Is that what you think? Is that the main thing about being a pastor is that you get upset when people use bad language, right? I wish they would say, oh, you must be a really loving person, or something along those lines. Anyways. This commandment is about worshiping God, right? And as we're going to see, worshiping God is not just about saying, well, I didn't use God's name wrong there, and I didn't say this word, which I shouldn't say, and I didn't even say OMG or anything like that because that's just a, a, a sneaky way in and all that kind of stuff. It's not about being language police. It's about understanding who is this person we're talking about Right? So I grew up in a culture just down the road where everybody had a nickname. Somehow, I was just thinking about this the other day, we had a friend, his last name was De Young, and non-Dutch folks can't say De Young, so he became De Jung, right? And we called him Junkie. I don't know why, he wasn't one, just to be clear, in case he's listening, right? And we had, no respect whatsoever for the names our parents had given us and each other. We threw those out and came up with goofy, all kinds of experiential names for each other. God is saying to us, and the culture that the Bible's written in is saying to us, a person's name, and particularly God's name as the most respectable person, right, is so important that you don't mess with it in any way, shape, or form. It's a sign of disrespect. Right. Just this week, somebody from my past life or my earlier life um, emailed me and said my nickname, which I'm not telling you because I don't need you to use it because it's disrespectful. (laughs) I know, that's the only point you were all waiting for. Not a chance, (laughs) Um, no. And um, he, he said that and I wrote back, well, it's actually the right reverend nickname. That's how you should refer to me. And actually, in our world i felt no disrespect at that he was sharing a memory it was actually a sign of i remember you right and so this whole thing about how we use names and how we use language we're not living in the bible time so we're not living in that same sort of dynamic of somebody adjusting your name a little bit being the most horrible thing you could possibly do but nonetheless the core idea of this which is be incredibly respectful of god including his name and be worshipful with his name of course carries on that's what we want to lean into next slide please so the core issue that we have in this whole dynamic is that we have a holy god dot 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 i'll get to that in the next slide because here's uh this is isaiah 57 that i read for this is what the high and exalted one says he who lives forever whose name is holy i live in a high and holy place right god's presentation of himself is I'm everything, I created this world, I am God. I have this whole deal in my hand. Be respectful of your creator, right? One of the points of the first two commandments from the last couple of weeks, and one of the reasons they need to be um, understood is because as one of my professors said, God created us in his image and we return the favor. God created us in his image and we return the favor. In other words, we keep trying to take God down and put him in a package that's more comfortable for us, that's more palatable for us. But this commandment, all of these commandments, but this one in particular saying, no, respecting God is about carefully using his name in a recognition that God is so far beyond this that not even our theology, not even our understanding of the Bible can bring us into full understanding of who he is. All right, that's another warning to not be too excited about our theology. It always is a limited understanding of who this amazing God really is. Next slide, please. So there's the holy God and us regular people. So God says, I live in a high and holy place, right? He lives in the heavens, if you will, is the image, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. So really what's going on in this commandment is, let's keep this really clear, the separation between us and God in terms of, of, we're not just like God, we're his image bearers, but we reflect limit in a limited way, right? Let's keep this understanding that the best way to be fully in tune with this unbelievably powerful God is not by trying to match his power and be powerful yourself, but it's when you're humble and contrite Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount gives the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. And these are all blessed, right, because it's in those moments when we understand the greatness of God and when we're most clear about our confusion about how in the world this works, that we come to experience his presence most fully, keeping that sense of respect for God um, as strong as we can. Next slide, please. Forgive or forget. I will not accuse them forever, says God, nor will I always be anger. angry. That sounds like forgiveness. And then verse 21, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Have you ever heard anyone say no rest for the wicked? That's where they get that from, Isaiah 57, 21. It's a bad translation, obviously. It's no peace for the wicked. And there's, there's two things going on here, and, and I think we have to hang on to both of them. Sorry about that, it's not, gonna be, it's not gonna end up nice and neat. We have to understand that God is incredibly forgiving. He's looking for contrite hearts, he's looking for people who are lowly, he's looking for people who are, are willing to say, I need help, I need support, I need forgiveness. But there's also a seriousness about this business where if we just sit in Our brokenness if we proudly hang on to hey I did that but whatever it's up to me then God says there's there's no peace for the wicked right and maybe you've simply experienced that have you ever done something and you known it's wrong and it seems like you got away from it got away with it but you're now a month a year ten years down the road and you're thinking oh, man, that keeps coming up in my mind. There's no rest for your heart, mind, soul until you process those things and let go of those things and allow God to come in and do his wonderful healing thing. There's no rest or peace, right, when we still have those things undealt with. The purpose of this life, the purpose of following Jesus in this life is to give us this regular opportunity to say, God, God, I know it's broken, I know what I've done wrong, and I'm sorry, can I have your forgiveness? And then receiving it, right? Next slide. So this is Jesus. funny, right, that I use this passage when we're talking about language. This is Jesus. It says, you brood of vipers. That's not nice language in case it's so old that you don't get the reference. How can you who are evil say... Anything good. Do you know who he's talking to here? Anyone throw it out? Pharisees. Are Pharisees lousy people or good citizens? I know we want to say lousy. I want to lean with you there, but they're actually really good citizens. You would love a Pharisee to be your neighbor because they'll keep their house neat. They'll do everything exactly on schedule and according to plan. They can be a member of this church. We'd be thrilled. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, you brood of vipers, Jesus says to them. Why? How can you who are evil? Wait a minute, there was nobody in town who thought the Pharisees were evil. They were righteous. Jesus actually says earlier, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, right? So what's Jesus doing here? He's trying to change the conversation. He wants to move us from being language police and saying, well, I didn't say that, so I'm doing fine, to saying, what's going on inside of you? Here's a real good test for you. What comes out when no one's looking and somebody gets under your skin and you get angry? What's the language that slips out of you when you no longer have it all under control. That's the heart stuff, all right? I don't know about you, but I have some work to do there. I'm gonna tell you the same thing that I told my congregation probably 10 years ago. We were talking about this kind of stuff, and I said, you know, when I drive, I talk a lot of trash to other people who are driving. And I committed before them, and I'll do so before you today that I am going to work on that and I am not going to do that as much. I didn't make it home from that service, by the way, without breaking that. So is that a lack of knowledge? Do I not know that that's not the best way to be? Right? No, it is not an information issue. It's what Jesus is talking about. There's still stuff to be done in our hearts that overflows when we least expect it and usually when we're alone, right? Pay attention to that stuff and try and figure out, where does that come from? What's still living in me that needs to be let go of and healed and repented of and forgiven, right? That's the work of this life, because again, I know you know this, but I'm gonna keep repeating it. We're not in this world to hang on long enough and to believe in Jesus so we have life insurance to go to heaven later. We're in this world to follow Jesus and do all the stuff he said even before he died about being like our heavenly father, as holy, as pure, as real. And again, it comes through contrition, which is honesty and vulnerability and being real, right? And so this journey, if you're gonna work on this commandment, If you're gonna talk about God, it's not, can you say the words that are on the screen and they include God and praise. Of course, you're gonna do that because we feed you the words. It's about saying, what's also going on inside of me when I'm on my own at home and I don't have my controls in place? What is that stuff all about? Next slide, please. Earlier, Jesus said this, same passage. So I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, here's the hard part. You've probably all heard this if you've been in church most of your life somewhere before. None of the people who stand up here have any idea for sure exactly what the sin against the Holy Spirit is. And you can tell that because every time someone does say that, they know. They say something different from all the other people who said that, they know. That's just a sure sign. We don't know, right? It has something to do clearly with Um, speaking negatively, negatively about the Holy Spirit, he even says a little later, it's one thing to say it about the Son, about Jesus, but you can't say it about the Spirit. None of that makes a whole lot of sense to me other than this. If our hearts are so hard, so cold, that we can curse God and not even care, then... We're away from God, right? Simple as that. Now, this, because I've had lots of people come to me along the way in my life and say, I'm concerned that I I committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. If you actually have any concern that you did, you couldn't possibly have. Because I think by definition, cursing the Holy Spirit means you just don't care. You would not be confessing or worrying about that because you're just that, angry about whatever God is and that far away, all right? So please don't live in panic. And if you do have a sense of guilt about that, please come see me. We'll walk through that. That is worth doing, right? But Jesus wants us to be really clear how we're talking, how we use our language, how we talk about God, right? That kind of stuff is very real and important. And paying attention to our speech tells us all kinds of stuff about ourselves. Next slide. This is my summary. First, the law story is complicated, right? So as I'm preaching on this, one of the things I'm trying to do, by the way, is convince you that um, I'm not planning to read the 10 Commandments every week all the time. And it's not because I don't like them, it's because I think it's actually confusing, right? So if, if you grow up in church and all you hear is anyone who misused the, ga- the name of the Lord, they'll never be held get- guiltless And there's no explanation about what that's all about. That's just a recipe for you sitting with a whole lot of guilt if you've ever said something negative, right? These things actually require some conversation. Second reason in my mind is that it's a law story. So the piece that Ruthann read from um, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is awesome by the way, the whole book, um, it put it in the context of the story. So when we talk about the law, the five books of Moses, What happens? Well, all the way through Genesis, no laws are given. Exodus, well, there's the whole part about coming out of Egypt and then the Ten Commandments and then they mess up and then there's some more commandments and then they mess up and then there's some more commandments, right? And then they wander in the desert and they get the manna. It's always given in the context of a story, right? So if we were to do a sermon on the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath day holy because in seven days, the Lord God created, six days, the Lord God created the world and seventh day he rested, We do these things in relationship with the God of this world. They're not just commands, know these five things, if you do those things, you're all set. It's always in relationship with God so that you can be better in relationship with him. These are good guidelines for that. That's the law story. I should give credit to Tim Mackey. Every week I should give credit to Tim Mackey, but this week especially, the law story idea came from him. Words are worship level important, okay? what you do with your words is incredibly important we're talking about words about god today and we're using worshipful words in about a month we're going to talk about our words with respect to each other and all those kinds of things abusive language and all that kind of stuff right we need to be incredibly aware that what you say has lasting power and you can't take it back all right and so understanding and being aware that that which slips out of our mouth is indeed, as Jesus says, it's an overflow of our heart. Next slide, please. And this is what Jesus taught. The tongue serves the heart. The tongue serves the heart. So you heard my confession, right? And I want us to be a community of people who understand that just saying, but nobody's perfect is not kind of the idea, right? So, well, no, nobody's perfect except for Jesus. What we need to be saying is, but I want to keep stepping it out in that direction. So, again, your tongue will tell you what are the things you need to continue to work on. What is the stuff in my heart that needs to be changed so that my tongue functions differently? And then four, love God with all your heart, and all, and your words will let you know where you need to work it. I just said that, so I won't say it again. Final slide, please. That's a clue to you that I'm almost done. As I said at the beginning, these, this commandment, don't misuse God's name or take it in vain, has an effect on the rest of the commandments, the the following commandments. So, commandment four, Sabbath, could be like this. Can you do a day only talking about or with God? Right, worship language, Sabbath is about saying, can I get off my business run or my sports run or my relational run in my language and just talk about it with God? That's Sabbath. Five, do you speak lovingly of all authority? This is honor your father and your mother, right? Is your language about the government, about police, about your parents, about those in authority, about your pastor especially, um, is it loving and encouraging and, and all those kinds of things? Pay attention to how you use that language. That's also part of, the, that's the fifth commandment. It's also part of the third. And finally, do your words hurt or heal? Do your words hurt or heal? And when your words have hurt someone, are you processing that with yourself, with them? Is there forgiveness, is there restoration? Folks, this commandment calls us into an ongoing journey of improving what's going on in our hearts so that its overflow becomes positive, uplifting, loving, embracing kinds of words. Let's pray. Jesus, yours is the name above every name and we wanna worship you, we wanna honor you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are at work in us, that you're putting this law deep inside our hearts. And Lord God Almighty, we pray that not just the words that we say and the sounds that we make, but the very lives that we live would bring praise And honor and glory to you help us we pray to be honest and real about where we're broken such that we will allow your spirit to come and fix us and heal us may we open ourselves to your spirit so that you may live in us we pray in your holy name amen